Well, I'm glad to be here this uh, time and season. And you know, God is a God of seasons. He, I was just talking about it in the first uh, service. I said, um, I feel in my heart and uh, even as far as my ministry is concerned that uh, we are in what, uh, in, uh, in the Greek, we call it the Kairos moment of time. Can we say that together? The Kairos moment of time. Kairos moment of time is when the Lord, of course, we know our Father does not change. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. And of course, we also know in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Well, so we know he does not change, but he does things in seasons. And uh, we know it, you know, I can even give a simple example uh, from uh, in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the 39 books, that season and time, those people who received the Holy Spirit were only three classes of people. If you, if you read your Bible, you realize that the people who received the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament were the Israelite king, uh, prophets, priests, and kings. Let's say it together. Prophets, priests, and kings, only three, three groups of people, three classes of people are the ones who receive the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And that's why in the book of Joel, you find in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, when he says, it shall come to pass afterwards. What is the afterward? After Jesus has come in the New Testament. Afterwards, it shall come to pass that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. And that includes you and me. Well, your flesh there means everybody as they receive Jesus. As it says in Romans chapter 10, uh, 10, those of us who receive Jesus by faith, then uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, Spirit is released to us. Amen. Amen. That's just one example where in the Old Testament, that whole season, he was pouring his Spirit upon only the prophet, priest, and king. In the New Testament, it comes. Now it's for all flesh. Amen. So even uh, in other times, we find that the Holy Spirit is doing things kind of special. And we call that the Kairos moment of time. Amen. When he kind of comes and interrupts whatever has been going on, and he does something special. I can give another little example. Historically, in, a, in more recent times, 100 years, 117 or 18 years ago here in, in California, Azusa. You know the Azusa Street? They're not far from here. And that's when, again, people were just worshiping the Lord in an old building. No, no, they were in a house that time before they, they bought the house. They, they bought the, 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 that warehouse. And so in this little house, God visited that place. And very soon the whole neighborhood, it was so powerful. The Kairos moment was so special that soon, in, in a few weeks, in a few months, it, is, it was not only in the four corners of their church, the anointing and the presence of the Lord was so real that it started, it started affecting people in the whole neighborhood. In other words, even if you are a sinner, you had come from some place somewhere, and you just walked in that neighborhood, you are touched by the Holy Spirit. One time they give stories how they say this one man was coming by train, and he stepped out of the train, and he was almost a mile or two from the Azusa Street building, but he saw everybody in the railway station was on the floor, not in the church. About a mile away from the church, people were slain in the spirit everywhere. <laughs> the glory of the Lord came. And sometimes 
the Kairos moment of time means God will is from time to time interrupt history. And he has done that, I remember, because when I came to the Lord exactly 53 years ago, 1970, when I was a teenager, when I came to the Lord in Africa, there was such a time. The Lord interrupted our history in East Africa, in the five countries of East Africa, that is East and Central Africa, Rwanda, Burundi, and then Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. If you look in your map, that's all East and Central Africa, five nations, and there was a revival and if you Google it, you'll see it. It's called the Great East African Revival. It was a huge revival that affected so, so many people. Actually, there's not much written about the East African Revival, and yet it was uh, almost as powerful as the Azusa Street. It, it didn't have as much miracles in as far as the healings and so on. Like Azusa Street was uh, kind of very special. But as far as salvation, I think the East African Revival produced uh, thousands upon thousands of people. Most of us that are in the uh, bishopric, apostolic, and so on, and the leaders all over East Africa are the young people who gossiped in that revival. Amen. So there are times that the Lord will come and bring about a breakthrough that affects whoever is waiting for him. What am I saying? There are usually three classes of people anywhere you go. Usually, there are people who watch things happening from afar, but they don't get involved. They're spectators. If you go and read your Bible, you find people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were very religious. They were very involved in the temple. And Jesus came, started performing miracles, signs and wonders. They saw it from afar, but they didn't get involved. And we have that class of people. Every time when God brings about the Kairos moment of time, you'll find some people that will watch it from afar, spectators. Be very careful. Never be those that will watch it from afar. And then we read a story. There is a man called Josephus. And again, you can see it on your, if you Google the works of Josephus, you will see a man who wrote a huge book, almost as big as the Bible. And that book is called The Works of Josephus. He did a lot of historical writing. And he writes something like this in his book. He says, there was a man who was arrested by the Roman powers. He's talking about his own time. He's saying there's a man that was, uh, his name was Jesus of Nazareth. And when he's writing, you think you are reading the Bible. <laughs> he writes about Jesus, he wrote, he was a historian, or about it. But he never, we, as far as we know, he was not, never a believer. He was a fellow who wrote about him. In history, that there was a man who was arrested, was uh, tried by Pontius Pilate, uh, Pilate, and all those kind of things, but never got involved. And there were people who lived in the time of Christ. He did all he, you know, all that we read in the Bible, and they heard about it from afar. But it's like, what? Who? They never were involved. These are people, again, who don't even care. They are way out there. Revival will come. It will pass them. They don't even know it happened. They hear about it after it has happened. Wow. Ouch. Yeah, that's, right. that's a terrible clue. And, and during Azusa Street, believe it or not, it happened right here in California, Los Angeles area. 
And there are some people who got affected mightily. This is that group now. These are people, they had, oh, there's something happening in Azusa Street. By the way, those, that time, the Azusa Street, sometimes you didn't even have to be there to see that something that happening because there was a fire that used to shoot. They say to, they think, the writers, many Pentecostal writers think it was angels. They don't know, they say, but there was a fire that would get out of the, that building into the skies and another fire that had a different color would meet it in the skies and it would exchange something, that, that fire would go that way and the other one would be downward. So almost the whole of LA used to see it. Actually, LA Fire Department used to send the fire trucks Read it. It's in your history. They will send fire trucks to Azusa, and then they will fire. This, this is a strange kind of fire. You don't put it off. <laughs> and they would go. It, came, it became so regular that sometimes people would call and say, oh, there is a fire on Azusa Street. And they say, oh, we know about it. <laughs> they, would, they would not respond. After some time, for three years, it happened. From uh, uh, 1906 to 1909. Three years continuous the fires would rise up and the glory of the lord came Amen. and yet now listen there's a people who rushed there quickly if god is doing something i want to be involved those are some people when they actually one woman i don't have that time to tell. there are so many stories i read i i, I love to tell about the azusa street because i just became friends and there's another story for another day the, 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 the saints of Azusa Street, most of the young people, like some of you young people uh, who were there, I mean literally in Azusa Street, they lived until the early 60s. When I was a young child, they were alive. And so one young man, slightly older than me, they invited him here in Azusa Street because they were retiring not far from here. And they told him all the stories and they passed the anointing upon him. They prayed over him. When I saw that on the internet... I looked him up. I think you don't know that story. I looked him up because he's Tommy Welcher, because he's a young man that all the Azusa Street, before they died, they prayed over him. I said, well, I want to meet this, this, this fellow who actually made the Azusa Street people. I want to meet him personally. So I said, I go, hello. My name is Armstrong Chege. I'm from Africa. I'm a preacher from Africa, and I would like to come to some of the meetings where Tommy Welcher, he, by the way, he's now going to be with the Lord. He just went last year. So I said, I want to, to meet him and go to his meeting. He said, no, he can come to your meetings. I said, no, I can't afford it. <laughs> I mean, these big preachers on television and all that, you know, because I tried. I just had tried one of them, and they wanted me to pay for their air ticket with their whole team to Africa. It's about $40,000, and also keep them in the best of hotels, feed them for a week or two. I realized I was going to use about 100000 I don't have $100,000 somewhere, so I just said, forget it. But then, so when I called this particular one, connected to Azusa Street, and I was not going to tell this story, but I think it's good. I, I said, hello, can, I, I want to come and hear him. I'm not... I, I can't afford to take him. They said, no, let me talk to him. So they talked to him. He said, yeah. I think I have not shared this with Pastor Drew. So I said, I said okay. Uh, he is willing to go with you. He doesn't want to charge. He can actually stay in people's homes. Now, many big preachers don't want to just go staying in people's homes, especially in Africa. So they said, he is willing to stay in people's homes, even in Africa, as long as you pay his way to Africa and back, he's willing to go. 
I couldn't believe that Tommy Welch. I had just seen him being interviewed by uh, one man uh, on the signs of uh, Azusa Street over and over. On, on you see him. If you Google YouTube, you see him all over. I said, well, I don't know. Because he had just written a very famous bestseller. They told me their stories about Azusa Street. I said, yay! I want to get to know more about the Kairos moment of time. And I want to touch it, kind of, you know. So I organized myself. I'm not such a rich preacher, but I can do what God wants me to do. How many people know that the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah! And I'll be preaching about that this, 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 this morning. That whatever God has called you to do, you can do it. Don't even worry whether it is a million dollars. It does not matter. God will provide. Actually, when God gives a vision, he gives a provision. Amen. He gives you that which you need to fulfill that purpose for which he has called you. So anyway, being just a simple preacher from Africa, I called Toby Welch and I said, yes, I'm going to pay you a fare to Africa and back. It's not like no money, especially when you're going the two of you. So I organized it, and I was able to fly this preacher with me. We went all the way to Nairobi, Kenya. Then I flew him again from Nairobi, Kenya to Dar es Salaam in Tanzania and back to Kenya and back to America. And there he went praying in partition and blessing upon our people. Amen. And God started doing mighty things. Because this is a young man that had been prayed for by every saint of the Azusa Street Revival. Amen. But my point is... I feel within my heart that we are in that season. We, in a, we are in a season when God is about to do great and mighty things. Now, God does mighty things all through history. He does. But just like you, you and I know, what he did in Azusa Street was kind of special. What he did in something called the Indonesian Revival was kind of special. What he did in something called the Welsh Revival was kind of in Wales. So there are times that God will come and bring the Kairos moment of time. I believe with, my, my, with all my heart we are in that season. Hallelujah. God wants to do great and mighty things. And guess what? He is not using somebody there and there and there. He wants to use me and me. Amen. Let's read it uh, this morning. I want to share from the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 11 through 17. Let's stand up. And read it, if you don't mind. Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 17. is a man called Gideon. And some of you may know him. Let me read it quickly. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terrible tree which was in opera, which belongs to Joash uh, the Abizorite, while his son Gideon threshed uh, wheat in the wine place. Uh, one press, in order to hide it from the Midianites. I want you to know that. He was doing a very cowardly act. He's hiding in fear. He's walking in fear. He's hiding it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Look, God calls him a victor. A victorious person. A mighty one. Gideon said to him, O Lord, 
If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And uh, where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring, up, uh, bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. You notice even after he made all the funny comments, the Lord did not even listen to him. He goes on and says, you go on. And he calls him mighty. You go in this might, in your power, in this anointing, in this power I've given you. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I love that part. Have I not sent you? He's telling you, you know, if you know me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. So you have to believe in who he is. And we say, have I, me, I am the Lord. One of the names of God is Jehovah Sabbath. Jehovah Sabbath means the one, the owner of the mighty armies of heaven. The commander-in-chief. Know him for who he is. I was telling him, have I not? I'm the Jehovah Sabbath. I am the one who is sending you. I am sending you. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my class and my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. The secret is my presence, not yours. Gideon, it's not about you. It's about me and my kingdom. I'll be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it's you who talks with me. Father, in Jesus' name, help us not to look for signs that you have called us, but just to believe you. That you are our father, you are our king. To believe in who you are. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Father, let that be each of us this morning. That will be the people you're going to reward. You're going to bless. We want to decree and declare by faith. That we are indeed mighty men of valor. That's our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be seated. The word valor comes from the Latin word valerum, which means moral power or moral grace. It's a virtue, courage, boldness. So he's calling him the mighty man that is. Uh, strong, that's bold, that's able to, you know, he's not even arguing. He didn't even tell will be in the future. That's what I want to share this morning. Let's see if you're a man, you, you say man, if you're a woman, say man. Say, I will be, a, I, I am a mighty man of valor. Let's see. Amen. Amen. When God looks at you, he looks at you in what is already determined in heaven in creation, what you shall be. 
since the last time in the first service, I almost went over time, so I want to kind of compress it, compress it quickly together here. I will be a man of valor. I am a man of valor because of what God through eternity has already determined. It's not because of what I will do. See, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 about our salvation. It says, for by grace, Ephesians 2, 8. Verse 8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself is a gift of God. It's a gift freely given to you, not because you did anything. As we sit here, every one of us, we are saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah. There's nothing we do. Anytime before, during, and after. <laughs> Nothing we ever do. Your salvation is a gift from heaven. The scripture says in Romans 5, 8. He says, God showed his life. Some of the versions was that demonstrated his life. His love. To answer us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for you to become better. A little bit bad. No, 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 no. For by grace, by grace, by grace. Hallelujah. It's by grace we are who we are. And then verse 9 of the same chapter. Ephesians 2, 8. Verse 9 says, no, no, no. In case you are arrogant about it. It, is just, it has nothing to do works of righteousness. It's, because you, it's not because you tried very much. No. It's by his grace. Hallelujah. By his grace. But then, verse 10 of the same verse, Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says that after we are saved now, there is work for you to do. We are not saved by works, but we are saved to do good works. Hallelujah. That is key. Even if I stop right now, I want you to get that because that is, that is that's good theology. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, that short part of scripture contains the very important things. Verse 8 tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's a good thing to learn. You can run with that. Verse 9 tells us, hey, be careful. Don't be arrogant about it. You didn't do anything about it. It's not because you did very well. It's not because you got so highly educated and trained. You see, sometimes when we are in the Lord, after we have lived in the church and served the Lord for a moment, you start gaining a foolish theology of what you can do. But we have to be reminded that what we do also is by God's grace. I am what I am. I do what I do by the grace of the Lord. Hallelujah. Everything is by his grace. However, see, we, we serve a wonderful God who wants to reward us for the work we do, and yet he's the one who has given us the grace to do it. Hallelujah. So I had talked, and I want to put it, compress it quickly. I shared in the morning, but it took a bit longer. I want to go quickly here. I said uh, we have three books in heaven, and usually we emphasize one called the book of life. All of us know about it, isn't it? It's a big book. It's one. 
with all the names of those who are born again. Anyone who received Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received him, to them gave thee the power to become the children of God. Amen. Even to those who believed in his name. John, St. John chapter 1, verse 12. So as soon as you become a child of God, your name is written in the book of life. Hallelujah. So all of us, I will not dwell in that one because almost all of us, we know that verse. If you, knew Je- if you know Jesus even for, for one day because the preacher prayed for you. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I didn't even mention this to Pastor Drew. I mentioned the last time I was here, I mentioned that one of the young men I preached when he was uh, an, element, an elementary school boy has become a big guy in our political system in Kenya. Well, last year, he stood and wanted to be the president. And the president who was there, and I know you are recording this, <laughs> so I'll be very careful where I go. The president who was in Kenya then didn't like him. So he supported another candidate. And so, being his spiritual daddy, I was thinking, I don't know. And I prayed, but I'm thinking like the president doesn't like him. The whole system, and his president was powerful and wealthy. He's supporting this other guy. I was thinking, I don't know. But when the elections came, he won. So right now, the little boy I prayed for in elementary school is the president of Kenya. Yes, he's the president. He's the president of Kenya. And, 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 and by the way, it's good that I'm preaching about you know, walking in your destiny. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Because be very careful when you are serving the Lord. Because some of the people you meet in the streets and everywhere, you don't know what they will be. Treat them with honor and grace. I was asking myself the other day, when I was praying for that boy. Because he just liked me immediately. It's many years ago, it's over 40 years ago, I gone and preaching to this conference of young boys, and I was telling them, you need to seek the Lord, you know, all that, you know, all kind of, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will, all these things. I didn't know that one of the boys, some of the things God will add to him is becoming the president of Kenya. So as you are serving and touching lives, be gracious, be loving. Represent Jesus in the right way because you never know what God will do through your life. Amen. Amen. Right now as I stand here, I'm the spiritual father to the president of Kenya. (laughs) Hallelujah. By God's grace. By God's grace. So I'm saying is there's a book where everybody, that's where I came from, that uh, there's a book where uh, our names are written as we come to Christ. But there's another book, number two, quickly. There's a book that uh, you find it in uh, Ephesians, uh, in Second uh, Corinthians, uh, Corinthians five ten, where it says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ." That is not the great judgment that will come later for the devil and his demons. This is different. This is for believers, the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body. Things that you do after you get saved according to what has been done, good and bad. So there is another book where the angels are very busy writing. And if you are, you are good, if you've been reading the book of Revelation, it says uh, the book of life was, it was given and then other books, plural. So there were other books in heaven. 
So some of these other books are the, the, the books of remembrance. The books of records of what you do after you have known Jesus. Hallelujah. So listen to me. The work you are doing here in the church is not in vain. Hallelujah. It's not in vain. As you go do evangelism, as you come to the Wednesday service and do something, whatever you are doing in the ministry is not in vain. Actually, our brother Paul tells us in Galatians 6 that whatever we do in the Lord, that work is not in vain. And that's the work I'm talking about. That after you know Jesus, the, the work we do is recorded by the angels. Amen. There is work that the angels are very busy doing uh, in partnership with us. They, you know, the scripture says in, Ma, in uh, uh, Psalms 91 verse 11 that uh, wherever we are going, the angels are commanded to go with us. Amen. So after you have known Jesus, the angels are commanded. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. The angels, one of the purposes of the angels is to accompany all of us who love Jesus. Amen. Wherever we are. So as you are serving the Lord, God has released his angels to work with you. In the ministries that God has given you. Amen. So everything I do in the kingdom after salvation. Listen, we are not saved by works. No, it's by grace. But after we know Jesus, the works we do later are recorded and will be rewarded for them. Amen. So that's the other book, the book of remembrance. You can also find it in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 16. talks about the book of remembrance that is written there. Finally, this is the one I wanted to, to reach quickly here. If you go to Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. And also Psalms 139, verse 14 to 16. These two books. He says that, um, the, the verse that uh, verse, uh, Psalms 139 says, uh, from verse uh, 14. For you formed me, my inward parts, verse 13, uh, uh, my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 14 says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Then he says, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. My creation, when I was being made, he says, it was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, now he is talking about when your mom and daddy knew each other. So this is a language used down there, kind of when I was made in secret and skillfully wrote in the lowest part of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes saw my substance. This is the, the verse I was trying to get to. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, there's a book in heaven. They were all written, the day's version for me, when as yet none was there. Psalms 139, verse 16 especially. That there's a book in heaven. Remember we have said the book of life is number one. It's one book. And then the books now of works. But this one is different. Because this is not the book of life. And this is not the book of works because he says it was written before you were born. You had not done anything. This is a book written by God about you before you were born. So I want to call it the book of destiny. The book of destiny. And of course the word destiny is the way we get the book with the word destination. 
where you end, what you need to be to become. So God has a book written before I my mom and daddy came together. This book, and I want to emphasize this, describes me in the best way I could ever be described. <laughs> Hallelujah. This, this book has no diseases, has no deformities, has no failure. Yes. This book describes me as a perfect human being. Yes. Walking in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And it's not just for Armstrong Chega, it's for every child of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. The book of destiny is written. And I've shown you two, two, two scriptures. You go and read after this. Jeremiah chapter 1, go and read it. The Lord tells him, no. Before you were born, I knew you. I consecrated you. And I ordained you for the purpose of reaching the nations. I mean, and he says, before your mom and dad came together, that's what I did. I knew you by name. Hallelujah. Our father has a book of destiny. Now, I like this one, the third one. Because the, the, the first book is one book for all the names of the believers. The second one is for the works. But this one is kind of special to me when I was reading. Because this one is like, uh, the pastor said I am an author. I've written books. If you, read, if you go to Google, you'll see I've written a book called Living Behind a Righteous Legacy. Some of you have that copy because I've wrestled books before. Leaving behind a righteous legacy. And then another one called Developing Relationships with Integrity. So now if you go, you see, and those books have my photograph on the cover by Armstrong Chege. Guess what? There is a book in heaven, and the cover has your name. <laughs> Hallelujah! This is different. This is even kind of special. Thank God for the book of life is great. It has all the names. Thank God for the works. But this, that one has your name on the cover. The book of destiny that God wrote before you're born. Saying that you'll be victorious, you'll be anointed of God, you'll be mighty, you'll be a kingdom man, you'll be all that God made you to be. Hallelujah. Book of destiny. And God wants you to step into your destiny. A few years ago, I was invited by a friend of mine, Bishop Mava Mitchell was a lady. She went to be the Lord last year. She said, oh, you, you come because Miles Monroe is coming to speak to us. Could you please come uh, to meet him? So I did. I went up there. Some of you know Miles Monroe. He went to be the Lord. was a great teacher. And so I sat next to him. And Miles Monroe gave me his book. I met, I met him twice. And one of the times I met him, we sat together. He was told who I am. And uh, actually, uh, Dr. Mava Mitchell was trying to persuade him to go with me to have some meetings in my country, which he later went. I didn't, I'm not the one who took him, but he went there. But anyway, he, wrote, he, he signed his book and gave me two books. And he signed on that, uh, in that book, he said, Armstrong, die empty. He had just preached a message which he said that the richest place in any city is the cemetery. I thought, that's funny. Because, <laughs> yeah, you see, if it was California, I'd think the richest place is Hollywood. You know? 
But he said the richest place in each city is the cemetery. And I thought, wow, that's funny. What he meant is there are so many people who die and they go to the grave and they didn't uh, fulfill their purpose, their destiny. So they died with books that could have been written. They were never written. They died with churches that could have been planted. They never got planted. They died with visions and dreams that they never fulfilled. So he signed for me. He said, Armstrong, die empty. What he was saying, empty yourself for the church of Jesus Christ. Empty yourself for the kingdom. Empty yourself for your sons and your daughters. Empty yourself for your family by the grace of God. So that when you die, you die empty. Because you have fulfilled your purpose. Your life has entered into the destiny that God planned for it to be. Hallelujah. That is my prayer this morning for each and every one of you. That you fulfill every purpose that God prepared you to have. You see, when God spoke to Jeremiah, he talked as if those things had already been done. He didn't argue with him. He said, before you are born, I knew you. I consecrated you for the purposes for which I have created you. Those words are not just for Jeremiah. It's for every child of God. Hallelujah. He wants to be victorious. He wants to win. Of course, the question is, why then? If that's what God wants for me, why then am I not walking in my destiny? See, God's purpose is that we be, we be successful. He doesn't want you to fail. Actually, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39, he says, neither height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor angels. He says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. So whatever you are going through right now, according to Paul, is nothing. Yeah, yeah. Amen. No powers, no principalities, neither head, no depth. Nothing shall separate you from the purposes of God, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You will become everything that God has destined for you to be. You will be everything that God wants you. See, you are, you are listening to me, and I was telling the other congregation how uh, uh, the service in the morning how when I got the name Armstrong, that was not my original name. If you met me when I was six, seven years old, my name was Peter. Peter Kamauchege. Peter. And Peter is a good name. It means the rock. <laughs> but in 1969, when I was 13 years old, we read in the newspaper that somebody called Armstrong has walked on the moon. Neil Armstrong. I remember even I wrote him a letter. I said, I, my name Armstrong is because you went on the moon. And that time, I believed that the things that I was hoping for, believing God for, he will fulfill me. And let me tell you, one of those that I had as a new believer was to, be, to come to America and study. Guess what? I'm standing on my moon right now. Yeah. Hallelujah. God fulfilled that which I believed as a young teenager, he will do the same for you. He's faithful. Hallelujah. I'm walking 
in things I never dreamed. There was a as I was walking six to seven miles to school without shoes in Africa. I didn't know that today I'll be standing here. And of course, I came to America many years ago, as the pastor mentioned. We met in 1985. I was doing my graduate work at Vanguard University those days. Last week, I just turned 67 years. God is faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever, listen to me, and I say to the morning service, whatever vision... Whatever calling God has given you, don't let it scare you. Because normally God gives visions that are bigger than you. So that you will trust him for them. And also so that when he accomplishes them, you will not take the glory. See, the bar, our father will not share his glory with no man. So he will usually give you a vision that is bigger than you. So that you can trust him and trust him alone. Some of the things I'm involved in today, if you told me 20, 30 years ago, I would have loved at you. But now I'm a presiding bishop of, a, of our thousands of preachers, and we have over 500 congregations in different places. Even here, next week I'll be in Seattle, Washington, where we have a, a congregation we planted a, a few years ago. And... If you had told me that, I would not have believed it. But you see, when God gives you a vision, he gives you the provision. Hallelujah. He gives you the supply for that vision. He will never, never, never call you and not give you that. So why don't we walk in our vision? I want to give you five things because that's even my, my next thing. To walk as a man and a woman of valor, there's only one thing that happens many times. We allow these five things to interrupt our vision, to interrupt where we are going. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said that he came that he, we may have life and life more abundantly. But he says the thief, the thief there represents the devil. And his demons. He says the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So every one of us is meant and created to be a man of valor. A woman of valor. In power, in anointing, in wisdom, everything. God sees you 100% victorious. Not even 80%. Not 95%. Our Father wants you to have victory 100%. But the enemy tries to come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you have to be, like Paul says, be vigilant, be careful. Because he goes, even, even Peter talks about it, he comes uh, trying to be like a roaring lion. He's a master. He's a, uh, he's a master in trying to act like, but he's not the lion. The real lion is the lion of Judah. Hallelujah. So, number one, that thing that makes you not get into your destiny. The enemy, the devil. But listen to me. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. The devil will try to destroy you. 
But Jesus is great and mighty. You know, most of the times, even when we preach about the enemy, we act as though God is here and the devil is here as equals. No. The devil is nowhere and all his demons, they are nowhere close to be compared with the Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, even when it comes to the demons, the devil and his demons, they don't even compare to the angels. Forget about comparing with Jesus. Jesus is far greater. The Father is far, far, far greater than the demons and the powers of hell. But even the angels, the Bible says in Revelation 12, when the devil was kicked out of heaven, and even doesn't say God took the time to do it. He says the angel Michael kicked him out. He falls. He says there was war in heaven and uh, Michael told him, get out, get lost. You cannot play about with our father. It says that he threw out with one third of the angels. Now that means that even on the side of God, even when it comes to the angels, we have double the demons that are in the kingdom of the enemy. What I'm saying is that there's no place for your for your defeat god is on our side romans chapter 8 verse 31 if god be for us who can be against us hallelujah and actually verse 32 of romans 8 is beautiful it's one of my favorite verses in the bible he says he who did not spare his son but delivered him for us all how would he also Give us all things. Hallelujah. He's saying that Jesus is the greatest gift in heaven. And Jesus really was, and God released him to come and save us. So Paul is saying, if God could release Jesus for your good, so that you and me can enter into our destiny, into victory, into power, into anointing, and with Jesus, he will give us whatever we ask for. And the promise is there in Matthew 7. Matthew says, ask and it shall be given and seek and it shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. So our Father is willing to cause you to enter into a victory, into a destiny without any doubts. You can and you will. Yes, the enemy will fight you. So that's the first thing, he will. The other attack that we have is found in say, uh, First John. A piece of John chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. I'm not going to read it, but you, you go and look, you see that. It talks about that uh, we need not to enter into worldliness. The enemy uses the, our, our, the attacks of the world, the fallen world. This earth was created for us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28, it says, God created us, gave us dominion to reign, to rule over the, the earth. Unfortunately, we have allowed the enemy to take, kind of take over. And you find that sometimes now, instead of us telling Hollywood what to do, he tells us what to do. It's a shame. The church is supposed to reign. Actually, the scripture would want us to, to command whatever has happened in the world, we say who should be who. Even in leadership. We have been given power and authority to reign. Actually, one time, Jesus, just before he went to heaven, Matthew 28, what we call the Great Commission, Jesus himself said, All authority in heaven 
and the whole earth. That's a lot of power. And the word used there is the word exousia. Exousia is legal power, governmental power. He says, oh, exousia, oh, governmental power in heaven. Hey! Oh, the power in heaven. And on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. He said, because of the same power, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Hallelujah. God gave us the authority to go and take over the nations in his name. And before he went to heaven also, he added another word. And you find all over in the New Testament. He says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The word used power there is the word dunamis. You shall receive dunamis that shall make you become mighty and glorious to take over the world for Jesus. So we have the exousia and the dunamis. The power and the authority. Hallelujah! To accomplish his purposes on the face of the earth. Around Pico Rivera and around Los Angeles. God has given you the exousia and the dunamis to take over. Hallelujah. He has given you that power so that you can overcome the worldliness, the power of the darkness. Let me close with the next uh, two and we pray. You can walk in your destiny. But the enemy has also brought those things, the verses I gave you in uh, First Peter, uh, First John chapter 1 verse, uh, oh, sorry, chapter 2 verse 15 through 17. He says the other problem we have is called the last of the eyes. I don't have to explain that, but especially you can add into bracket there, say pornography and other stuff. The last of the eye. And talks about the last of the flesh. That's the next one. And then the final one, the pride of life. Remember even the devil. The devil was not kicked out of heaven because of physical sins. It was pride. He was kicked out of heaven because of pride and arrogance. So those five things, the devil and his demons, worldliness, the last of the eyes, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. Five things that will make you not victorious and not enter into your destiny, into a victory. But you know the will of God, if you read your Bible properly, is that we can be more than conquerors. When God is speaking to us this morning, he is not saying you might be a man of valor. No! Arise and conquer you mighty man and woman of valor. You will conquer. Listen to me again as I close. Every ministry, every vision, every burden, every project that God will give you is because he, know he, he knows he'll give you the ability to conquer. I'm telling you this, and I still remember years ago as I sang a certain song, I told the Lord, if you send me to India or China, if you tell me to stay right where I am, Gladly will I, your will obey, but first set me on fire in your love. I was a, a young 16-year-old boy when I began to preach in 1972. And today I can tell you the Lord has done exactly that and more. 
Amen. I remember one time I went to Singapore for a leadership training about 20, 25 years ago. And uh, they told us, write the things God wants you to do, your vision. Say, write your physical, spiritual, mental, financial, material, family, goals, and visions. I did. Guess what? Within 10 years, all of them were fulfilled. I had to write another one. Hallelujah. Everything I'd written in that listing, the Lord fulfilled it. In the physical, in the spiritual, in the financial, the Lord fulfilled every one of them. So God is just waiting for you to believe him. Hebrews 11, 6. He that comes to God must believe that he is who he says he is. And that he's a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Stand up. Hallelujah. He will reward you. He will meet you at the point of your need. He says in Mark, uh, Matthew 7, 7, verse 7 to 11, that as you ask, as you seek, as you knock, it will be opened. How much more will your heavenly Father give good things to the him that ask? That's all he's waiting. Right now, I want to pray. Not a lengthy prayer of anything. I want to pray like I prayed for this young man in Africa three years ago. As I was ordaining him, I said, I release a blessing upon you in Jesus' name to go and do exploits for the kingdom. He went to one of the driest places in northern Kenya. And this year alone, last year and this year alone, he baptized 1,500 new believers. The anointing came. He's walking in great breakthrough. God can do that for you. If you want me to pray for you as you stand right there for that breakthrough in your life, what that vision God has showed you, that he may meet it and bless you beyond your wildest imagination, lift up your hand and pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' holy name, I thank you, Lord, for these precious, precious sons and daughters. People that you have called by your name. And they have come here, Lord, willing and ready to yield to your Holy Spirit. This morning, I call them by faith, mighty men and women of valor. They will be victorious. They will be mighty in the kingdom. They will fulfill every dream, every vision that you have for them. I release the blessing of God upon them in the name of Jesus. And I break every curse, every stronghold, every work of the enemy in your lives now in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare that you will never, never, never be the same again. The glory of God will come into your life, transforming you to be a new person. You're going to touch more lives than you have ever touched for Jesus in your life. It's never too late in the kingdom. The Lord will bless you. This is your Kairos moment. This is a time to receive from the Lord and walk in his power and his grace and his anointing than ever before. Receive it now. Hallelujah. 
just lift up your hand and say, I receive in Jesus' name. Just bless him. Just tell him, just bless him. Thank him for it. Whatever it is, just say, he has put a vision for you. Just thank him for it right now in Jesus' name. By faith, he that comes to God must believe that he's a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. He's rewarding you right now. He is looking at you right now to bless you, to lift you to the next level, to transform you, to give you a great future. I release all those blessings, Father, upon your servants. And I give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.